do you ever feel trapped? Because I can't seem to get out of this prison I find myself in. And the worst part of it all is this prison is constructed by my own two hands. By my thoughts, by my choices, by my actions, my desires. It's built of fear, envy, addiction, unforgiveness, lust, pride, greed, bitterness, control, idolatry, hate. The walls of this prison are unbreakable. It's impossible to escape in my own power. It's dark. It's lonely. How did I get here? How do I get out of here? Who will help me? Who can save me? You ever feel like this? You ever feel like you're enslaved? And I know that many of us do. And what I know about you, because I know it about myself, is that we all, regardless of where we've been in the past or where we currently are in our spiritual journey or the way we were raised or what we believe, we all have an intrinsic desire for freedom. And nothing proves that more than when we're getting ready to turn 16 and get our driver's license. Some of you, that was a long time ago, but you can remember it. Some of you, you're at that age, you're like, I'm almost there and I cannot wait. My now 17-year-old daughter, when she was getting ready to turn 16, I can remember saying, man, the morning that I get, the morning I turn 16, I am out of here. And she was. She desired freedom, and I haven't seen her since. I hope she's doing okay today. I, I, you remember that. I, I desired that freedom too. I just didn't really want to wait till I was 16. So when I was 12 years old, I decided I was going to sneak out of the house in the middle of the night and steal my dad's car. And so I snuck out. I stole his car. I got caught. And I didn't get caught because they heard me sneaking out. I got caught because at 12 years old, I didn't know how to drive fast well. And I didn't know what speed bumps were. And I bottomed out my dad's car, and the whole bottom end came out. And needless to say, I lost my freedom real quick, real fast. I mean, I desire freedom. You desire freedom. And the reality of it is, is we all desire freedom. We desire freedom from being restrained, told what to do, being held back from, from doing what we want to do. We all desire freedom from feeling enslaved, imprisoned to, to anything and anyone. We all desire to be free to love, to be loved, free financially, free from depression, free from feeling judged, free to be who we are, free to experience hope. And joy and peace, the desire for freedom is ingrained in every single one of us. The problem is, is we don't feel free. I mean, we live in America, the land of the free, but we don't feel free. If we're being honest, we desire freedom, but we feel enslaved. So what do you feel enslaved to? Maybe for you it's fear, worry, despair. Maybe you feel enslaved to hopelessness, addiction, envy. Maybe you feel enslaved to your circumstances. Maybe you feel enslaved to lust, greed, pride, bitterness, hate. Maybe you feel enslaved to control. Whatever it is, I guarantee you want nothing more than to break free from it. And chances are you've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried with no avail. And you're frustrated, and maybe you're even feeling hopeless that you'll never break free from this. Well, let me ask you, what stopped you? What has stopped you from breaking free from it? And you would go, well, they have. It has stopped me. She has stopped me. 
Because, listen, it's so easy to assume that freedom is given or taken through something external. Through them, through him, through her, through it, through that. We assume freedom is given or taken by the government or by our parents or by our employer or by those who are in authority. We assume freedom is given or taken when our circumstances change. I mean, how many times have you said, when this happens, when this, then, then I'll be free. But let me ask you, did you truly feel free after you turned 16? Did you truly turn free with less rule? Did you truly feel free with less rules? Did you truly feel free when your boss stopped micromanaging you? Did you truly feel free after you walked away from your faith and after you walked away from church? Did you truly feel free when you got your own place? Did you truly feel free when you got married or when you got divorced? Did you truly feel free when you had more money in the bank? And if we're being honest, all of us would say no. When that happened, you experienced a sense of freedom But today, you still feel enslaved eternally. And listen, you don't have to think too hard about it to know that this is true. That true freedom, it cannot be given or taken by others. Cannot be given or taken by our circumstances. True freedom cannot be given or taken by something external. We assume it can be, which is why we try and try and try. But it hasn't worked in the past. It isn't working in the present. And it won't work in the future. And the good news I believe your heavenly father wants you to know today is that you can be free. You can be free to experience the fullness of joy, hope, peace, fulfillment, contentment, love that you desire regardless of your external circumstances. And what we celebrate on Easter has has more to do with us experiencing true freedom than we can possibly imagine. Now, I know that there's some of you here who say, I don't believe that, and I don't have any intention of believing that. Some of you, I used to have faith. I used to believe this, but I've walked away from it. I've walked away from my faith. I've walked away from the church. I have no intention of walking back in. The only reason I'm here, I'm here is because of some religious obligation. I feel like I should be here. And then there's others of you who are here that's like, you like Christian people, man. You are the most shallow-minded, weird-believing people I've ever met in my whole life. You believe fairy tales. You really do. And in regards to where you're at, I'm just glad that you're here. And I... I I just want to be honest with you, I respect you enough to not try to talk you into anything today, and I don't think I'm a good enough preacher to talk you into anything. You can dismiss everything I'm saying today as a fairy tale. I wouldn't blame you if you did. But a little bit later, I'm going to tell you on, I'm going to tell you the one reason why I believe all this to be true. And listen, I just think for a few minutes, if you open up your mind to the possibility of what if, like what if maybe today on this Easter, You'll find what you're looking for. Now, the question I want to start with is this question. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Now, let's assume, and for some of you, this is going to be a lot harder to assume than others. Let's assume Jesus was more than just a Jewish carpenter, Jewish rabbi, Jewish prophet who lived in the first century. Let's assume, once again, for some of you, this is going to be hard. Let's assume Jesus really was the Son of God, sent by Father God 2,000 years ago. Now, If that's true, which obviously you know that I believe that it is. If that's true, why did Father God send Jesus? Why did Jesus come? Now, if I went and got a microphone, went around the room, and I said, hey, will everyone answer this question for me? You would probably probably get some really good answers, and we'd probably get some really weird answers, which is why we are not doing that activity. But at the end of it, there would probably be so many different answers. Some of you would be going, I have no idea. After all that, I have no idea why Jesus came. We'd just be wondering. Well, we don't have to wonder. 
Because Jesus clearly communicated why he came right at the beginning of his three-year public ministry. And it's recorded in Luke chapter 4. And here's what's recorded. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Nazareth was Jesus' hometown. And on the Sabbath day, and that was the weekly day of rest for first century Jews... Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. So in the first centuries, Jews would gather in synagogues together to sing, to recite prayers, and to read from the Hebrew scriptures, which is now our Old Testament. He, Jesus, stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah is an Israelite prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was was handed to him. So on this particular Sabbath, Jesus stood up to read the Hebrew scriptures to everyone. And the book of Isaiah, which was a document written by the prophet Isaiah that was a part of their Hebrew scriptures, was handed to him. Unrolling it, Jesus found the place where it is written, And the cool thing is, Jesus didn't start from the beginning of Isaiah. Instead, he opened to the 61st chapter, and this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to to those who are in desperate need of a Savior. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed, or the captives, free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So as everyone is waiting for Jesus to give some teaching on what he just read, he said something that absolutely no one was expecting. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture, this prophecy that Isaiah gave hundreds of years ago that you've been waiting to be fulfilled, is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is basically proclaiming to them, I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. I am the son of God. I am the savior of the world that Isaiah prophesied about and you've waited hundreds of years to arrive. And the reason I've come is to set those who are enslaved free. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about setting prisoners in jail free. He was talking about setting free people who were enslaved to something much bigger and much more serious than that. Why did Jesus come? He clearly answered that question. He came to set us free. To set people like you and me free. He came to set us free to give us what we desire and what we need most. Which leads to the question... What did Jesus come to set us free from? And according to the writers of scripture, Jesus came to set us free from the thing that enslaves us to fear, hatred, anxiety, hopelessness, unfulfillment, despair, lust, regret. Jesus came to set us free from the thing that enslaves us to what can only be described as death. And that thing is a really ugly word that none of us like to talk about And few of us want to admit that we have. That thing is sin. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a majority of our New Testament, which are the the books after the life of Jesus, which were all written in the first century, said it this way in a letter that he wrote to the church, the community of Christ followers in the city of Rome. And it's it's, uh, the verse is Romans 6, 23. And here's what Paul wrote. For the wages, and by the way, you know what a wage is. A wage is something that we work for, we earn, we deserve. When you go to your job and you work, you deserve and you earn your wage. You deserve, you earn your paycheck. For the wages, Paul said, of And here's that ugly word, sin. Now, we often dumb down the word sin to mean mistake. But sin is so much bigger than that. 
See, sin, sin is a violation. Sin is a violation against holy creator God. It's a violation against his created intent for us, which is to be holy how he is holy. And it's a violation against his created will for us, which is to glorify him with our entire lives. Jesus and the writers of scripture, according to Jesus and writers of scripture, whether we want to admit it or not, and whether we like it or not, we're all sinners. We're all guilty of sinning against holy creator God. And the consequences of that are much bigger and much more severe than just making a a mistake. Because for the wages of sin is death. Paul is saying we are. What we all earn, what we all deserve because of our sin, is death. Now Jesus, he talked about sin in a very interesting way. In a way that maybe you, some of you may be surprised based on what you've been told or how you were brought up. Jesus talked about, about it in the context of, this is a key word, in the context of relationship. And the point Jesus continually made is that sin is such a violation against Holy Creator God that it breaks the relationship with him that he created us for. And the relationship with God we broke because of sin comes with a huge penalty. And that penalty is death. It's why I say all the time, sin does not make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Sin makes us dead because it breaks relationships and it separates us from God, the creator and the giver of life, both in this life and in the next. Sin makes us dead because it enslaves us to what sin produces. Shame, guilt, regret, worry, anxiety, greed, selfishness, lust, pride, fear. And Paul is saying all are enslaved to death. All are enslaved to the death that sin produces because all are enslaved to sin. All have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because all are sinners. All stand condemned before Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And the news gets worse. We're completely helpless. Our violation of sin against Holy Creator God is too big to overcome by any of our efforts. You and I owe a debt to God that we cannot pay back because you and I are in fact a sinner. There's nothing we can do to free ourselves from the penalty, from the power, and from the consequences of sin. Which means the only way to be free... The only way to have a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father, the only way we can be forgiven for our sin, the only way that we can be saved from our death penalty is for God himself to choose to do something, which makes what Paul wrote next so amazing. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, and you know a gift is opposite of a wage. A gift is freely given based on the giver's ability and generosity, not on what the receiver of the gift did or didn't do. A gift is not earned. A gift is not deserved. But the gift of who? The gift of God. The same God who we sinned against, who we deserve nothing but wrath from. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus was clear that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to seek and to save those who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. Those who are enslaved to sin. And that's you and you and you and me and every single person. Jesus was clear that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to die in our place on the cross as the sinless perfect sacrifice to atone for our penalty of sin against him. To forgive us for our violation of sin against him. 
him, to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him in this life and to next and to offer us eternal life. And listen, this is so important. And some of you, you know, the way you were raised, you've never heard this before. This is so important. Jesus didn't come just to forgive you of your sin so you can go to heaven someday. Some of you, that's all the gospel message you've ever heard. Is it came to forgive you for your sins so you can go to heaven someday. I'll say it again. That's not only the only reason Jesus came. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to set us free from the penalty and the power of, of sin and the death that it enslaves us to. Jesus came to set us free to experience eternal life. Eternal life means experiencing the life of God, the hope of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the healing power of God, the salvation of God. Not just someday, but today because eternal life doesn't just start then. Eternal life starts right now. And this freedom... This freedom is available to you and me as a gift, a gift that you and I didn't deserve and can never earn. According to the writers of Scripture, a gift that you and I accept through faith in Jesus, by asking Jesus to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives. And some of you are going, Ronnie, how can you believe all this? How can you believe this fairy tale? Why, do you, why would you even consider believing this to be true? And what you need to know is I don't believe any of this because the Bible tells me so. I believe all this to be true because of the one event that changed everything that we celebrate on Easter. The resurrection of Jesus. See, faith in Jesus as the Savior, faith in Jesus as my Savior, faith in Jesus as your Savior is, or at least should be, founded and grounded on one thing alone. One event, the resurrection of Jesus, and that's it. The Apostle Paul said it this way. And if Christ had not been raised, like he died, and if he had stayed dead, like everyone else stays dead, because dead people stay dead, if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. See, without the, Paul's saying without the resurrection, you shouldn't believe anything Jesus claimed or Jesus taught. Without the resurrection of Jesus, faith in Jesus, well, it's useless. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, you can believe that Jesus is who he can't claim to be and accomplished everything that he came to do. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, you can believe everything else Jesus said was true. You can believe that you and I are a sinner. You can believe that your violation of sin against Holy Creator God broke our relationship with Him. You can believe that the penalty of sin is death, being separated from God, the creator of the creator and giver of life, both in this life and in the next. You can believe that heaven and hell are real and that this life is not the end. You can believe that all stand condemned before Holy Creator God. You can believe that we are all helpless, that there is nothing we can do to free ourselves from the penalty, from the power and from the consequences of sin. You can believe because of God's great love for you that he sent his sinless, perfect son, Jesus, to be sacrificed on the cross in your place to offer you what you don't deserve and that you can never earn and to offer it as a gift. You can believe that there's, an, there's a resurrection and an, and an eternal life and that that's available to you today. You can believe that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, but everyone can come to the Father because of him. You can believe that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he rose from the grave 
freedom to set you free. Free from the penalty and the power of sin and the death that it enslaves us to and free to experience true eternal life. As Jesus described, life to the full. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of Easter. Now, some of you may be going, if that's true, then why am I not free? If that's all true, then why am I not free? Why do I feel, still feel enslaved to fear? Why do I still feel enslaved to worry, to addiction, to hopelessness? Why do I feel, still, still feel enslaved to what can only be described as death inside? And here's the big idea I hope that you remember and you take away from this Easter. Jesus died on the cross and rose to the grave to set us free. But experiencing it, well, <laughs> that's a choice. That's a choice. The Apostle Paul ended Romans 6 by stating those words, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This last sentence of Romans 6 was basically a sum summary statement of chapter 6. Throughout chapter 6, Paul made it very clear that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to set us free. But experiencing it, it's a choice. At the beginning of chapter 6, Paul explained that when we put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and leader of our life, that we're united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Meaning that our old sinful nature has died and we have been given a new transformed life in, in Christ because God's spirit, referred to as the Holy Spirit, by the way, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, has taken residence within us and we are now a new creation. And then Paul said this, for we know that our old self, you know, be who we were before we put our faith in Jesus, was crucified. What crucified means? It means it was put to death with him, with Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin, the body enslaved to the penalty and the power of sin, which was our condition before we put our faith in Jesus, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Paul is not suggesting we don't sin after we put our faith in Jesus. We absolutely do. He's not suggesting that we're perfect after we put our faith in Jesus. We're absolutely not. Paul is making the point that we have been set free from the rule and the power of sin in our lives. And here's why Paul believed that. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Which makes sense because if you physically die, you can't sin. But Paul's not talking about physical death. He's talking about being united with Christ here and now while we live. He goes on. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live, live with him. And the only reason Paul believed that, the only reason I believe that, is because Jesus promised it. And as I've said a thousand times before, any guy who could predict his death and resurrection and pull it off, I kind of go with whatever that guy says. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. He was set free from the power of death when he defeated death. The death, he, he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul's reiterating what we talked about earlier. That when Jesus rose from the grave, he defeated sin. He defeated death. In the same way, 
We are no longer slaves to sin. We have been set free from the penalty and the power of sin in our lives and the death that it enslaves us to. But it's so important that you know this, what I'm about ready to say next. These promises, these promises are only for those who have chosen to put their faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives. Those who have been united with Christ. Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave to set us free. But experiencing it, it's a choice. And if you've never made the choice to put your faith in Jesus, I don't believe you're here by accident. I believe your heavenly father has orchestrated you being here on this, this Easter for one reason. I believe he wants you to know <laughs> it's time to be set free. And some of you are saying, well, I've done that. I put my faith in Jesus. I prayed some special prayer when I was younger. You know, I went to church growing up. I even go sometimes now. But I don't feel free. I still feel enslaved. I put my faith in Jesus, but I still feel enslaved. If all this is true, then why am I not experiencing it? And if you're thinking that or if you have thought that in the past, it's important to pay close attention to what Paul wrote next because it has, has the power to transform your entire life. Therefore, meaning since you have been set free through, through faith in Jesus, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey, so that you surrender yourself to, so that you become enslaved once again to its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, as those who have been set free from the penalty and power of sin and given a new life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. And those words from Paul right there, those aren't a command. Those words are a promise. Sin shall no longer be your master. That's a promise that's fulfilled through the choices that we make after we put our faith in Jesus. And once again, here's why what we choose is so important. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Kind of the bottom line of like what I think Paul is communicating through all these verses is this. Since we have died to sin, we need to keep it dead. Since we have died to sin, we need to keep it dead. And keeping it dead is a choice. Unfortunately, we don't always choose to live in the freedom that Jesus died and rose to give us by offering ourselves to him. Instead, we choose to offer ourselves to sin. And you got to know this. This is so important. We give power to what we offer ourselves to. We give power to what we offer ourselves to. When we choose to offer ourselves to sin, we walk right back into this prison. We walk right back into the prison that Jesus died and rose from the grave to set us free from. And when we do, we once again, give, once again give sin the power to enslave us to what sin always produces in us and in our relationships. Death, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, division, hatred, despair. 
For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus but still feel enslaved, it's often because we've made the choice to make ourselves captives and slaves to sin once again. It's time to be set free. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to set us free. But experiencing it, it's a choice. For some, it's time to be set free by making the choice to put your faith in Jesus. Asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. If you feel a stirring and if you feel a prompting to do that, don't let the hesitation you're also feeling right now stop you. It's time to be set free. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. And if you're not ready, that's okay. There's no pressure. I hope you choose to come back just as you are. We love having you. For those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, but you still feel enslaved, it's time to be set free. It's time to choose to no longer be enslaved to what Jesus died and rose from the grave to set you free from. And here's how we make that choice today and tomorrow and every day going forward. First, we assess. We assess what we feel enslaved to. So what do you? What do you feel enslaved to? Is it greed? Lust? Depression? Anger? Addiction? Bitterness? Discontentment? What do you feel enslaved to? Second, ask. Ask God two questions. God, why do I feel enslaved to this? And you're like, I don't need to ask God this question. I already know. It's because of them. It's because of him. It's because of her. It's because of that. It's because, it's because of what happened to me. And maybe that. They, maybe it, maybe that has, is a contributing factor. But is it possible? Is it possible? It's also because of what you've chosen to offer yourself to. I bet if you ask God, he's going to show you some way you've chosen to walk right back into those prison walls. Regardless of why, the next question is more important. Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, what would you have me do to be set free? Jesus, what would you have me do sexually to be set free? Relationally, financially to be set free. Jesus, what would you have me do with how I spend my time or with my living situation to be set free? Jesus, what would you have me do to heal from this or to reconcile that relationship to be set free? Jesus, what would you have me do at work, in my marriage, to get help to be set free? What would you have me do with this phone that I have in my hand every single day to be set free? From my experience, when I ask this question, truly wanting to know, he inevitably puts something on my mind that I feel like I ought to do. And I believe he will with you as well. And when you feel that ought to, that oh, I ought to, that's Jesus inviting you to follow him as the, you ready for it? Leader of your life. And in that moment, you'll want to dismiss it. Especially if it seems hard or inconvenient for you or uncomfortable for you. And that's why it's in that moment you need to ask yourself, do I really want to be set free? Do I really want to be set free or just do I say I want to be set free? 
if you really want to be, then choose to follow. Choose to take the next step to follow Jesus as the leader of your life. Listen, this is so important. If you hear nothing else that I've said today, hear what I'm going to say next. Following Jesus is what ultimately leads to true freedom. Following Jesus, actively following Jesus is what ultimately leads to to true freedom, at least according to Jesus. Jesus referred to himself as the truth, and then he said, the truth, me, will set you free. And as we saw earlier, Jesus claimed that he came to set free those who are captive to sin and captive to death. And the only reason we can and should believe these enormous claims are true is because he alone defeated the ultimate captivity. He alone defeated the ultimate enslavement. He alone defeated the grave. The moment Jesus defeated death, he proved he can set you and me free from what holds us captive. Sin, death, guilt, worry, anxiety, depression, greed, selfishness, pride. The moment that Jesus defeated death, he proved that he can set our hearts free to experience the life of God, the hope of God, the peace of God, the fulfillment of God, the healing power of God that only God can give. Life to the full. With every next step we take to follow Jesus, you know what we're doing? We're taking one next step closer to Jesus. The one who defeated the grave. And the closer we grow in our relationship with him, the more our hearts are, are, are free to experience his resurrection, resurrecting power and resurrecting life in our lives. Now a possible next step that Jesus, I think, is probably inviting some of you to take is to re-engage or re-engage. Listen, I'm going to be really honest with you because I love you and you would want me to be honest with you. If you walk out of here inspired to change, but you don't come back till next Easter, you're never going to find freedom. Ever. Ever. You may modify your behavior for a short period of time, but that won't lead to being truly free. Jesus ain't in the quick fix business. Jesus ain't in the behavior modification business. Jesus is in the transformation business. And transformation happens by following Jesus one next step at a time. And you can't do it alone. It's why we say all the time around here, transformation doesn't happen in isolation. So I want to invite you to take an easy next step. I just want to invite you back next week where we'll be kicking off a new series called The Inescapable Ought. Next week I'll be talking about, and throughout this series, I'll be talking about what that ought that we've all felt, maybe some of you are feeling it right now, what that ought is, what it tells us about ourselves and God, and what's at stake when we don't do what we feel we ought to do. By the way, this is your first time, our Sunday gatherings are normally at 9 and 1045, not at 8, 945, and 1130. So if you come at 8 next week, we'll have you help us set up. You want to be free? You want to be free? All of us would say yes. Are you? Are you free? Many of us would say no. The band is going to sing one final song. And as you sit there, I want to invite you to reflect on this question. Who or what am I giving power to in my life today? Because, by the way, you are giving power to something or someone. You don't get to choose. You absolutely are giving power to something or someone today. So who or what is it? Give power to sin by offering yourself to it, and it will enslave you to death. Give power to Jesus by following him, and the resurrecting power of Jesus will set you free. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to set us free, but experiencing it, it's a choice. So it's time to choose to be set 
free. So if you're a follower of Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, what would Jesus have you do? Choose to take the next step to follow Jesus as the leader of your life out of that prison and out of that grave that Jesus died and rose from the grave to set you free from and into the life that he died and rose from the grave to give you. For those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus, but you feel (laughs) the stirring, this prompting, this ought to, I want to invite you to make the choice to do that during this song. And you can do it right where you are, quietly right where you are, or at home. There's no special prayer you have to pray. It's just basically confessing your need for a Savior. Because your violation, you know, your violation of sin broke your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And then declaring that you believe Jesus is that Savior. And he proved that he can be your Savior and my Savior because of his death and resurrection. And then it's asking him to be your Savior. Putting your faith in him, asking him to be the forgiver of your sins, your savior, and the leader of your life, your Lord, your God. It's time to be set free.
Father, we just praise you for loving us so much. When we didn't deserve your love, we didn't deserve your grace, we didn't deserve your mercy, you just pursued us and lavished it out to us by sending your son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for your sacrifice for us on the cross in our place and for proving that you are who you claim to be and can fulfill every promise you gave the second you defeated the grave. For every person that put their faith in you, Jesus, I pray. Um, uh, first, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. You call them to yourself. I pray you show them what next step you'd have them take to find true freedom in you. I pray that for all of us who have put our faith in you. That based on you as our king, as our savior, as our Lord, as our God, as the leader of our lives, we choose to follow you out of that grave that you came to set us free from and into the life that you rose from the grave to give us. And that's how I pray we choose to celebrate and remember your resurrection every single day, not just on Easter. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.